This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. <laughs> no, no, no. He doesn't open his mouth. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. He's got Okay, it. fine. See, mine's not very good. All right. Oh, and I'll tell you before, and if you see me while we're talking doing this, I'm, I'm like IMD being something. Yes, so I, don't I, sound I like understand. Good, because <laughs> uh, I would be doing the same thing if my internet was fast enough. Ah. For some reason, when I'm driving, it isn't. But I wanted to. What are you uh, doing on the internet while you're driving? Oh, I'm at stops. You know, <laughs> oh, okay. It doesn't uh, come up. <clears throat> but I was trying to look up uh, the first horror movie I ever saw. So. Uh, anyway, they list that on the internet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Can you well, know it's the first of- horror film? Yeah. Well, the thing is, uh, are we on? Not yet. We're always on. Let's not. Are we sh- on? Let's not. Oh, we are. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, let's not. Wad, as they say. This is a, he, he just That's gave a guy. Oh, oh we but are? we're actually, we're on topic though. That sucks. <clears throat> I don't know. Oh. Well, you heard the Dana one. Like normally we just want to start with the kind of casual, how are you? We don't tell people we're recording them because that's, that's oh. when we get to them to say like the horrible, horrible things that. Okay. You know, that we then edit out. I love and sit. I have a whole, I have a whole <laughs> bin of terrible, terrible things. Yes. I've said and. Uh, yeah, the, the incredible racist rants of Dana Gould oh, stop. that just go on for like an hour and a half. And then he goes on to women and you're just like, Dana, we can't use yeah. any of this. Mm. It's, it's, uh, or Karaszewski. Yeah. Really bad. That guy's, oh, he's hates, hates everyone. And he just flips a switch and he's yeah. like, Hey, I'm Larry Karaszewski. Odious. It's, and uh, his house is shit. Oh yeah. No, I tell you. Oh, terrible. It's terrible, terrible dumpster fire. Who else can trash? I don't know who else has been on the show that we that we, that we <laughs> oh, despise. Too terrible. People. They're also they're so bad. Yeah, we're coming up on fifty. Oh, fantastic! Um, yes. Congratulations. Oh no, Bill Hader was our fiftieth. You're not supposed to. It's, it's, you... Well, they're not going to use any. Chris, of this. can you explain? Look, no, he hasn't even got his no, I have to cut that because I don't know when we're going. Well, but but this won't appear until after Bill, right? I'm not sure. Oh, you never know. Come I on. never know. Don't say anything topical. Well, now I can't. <laughs> <laughs> right. Now you know those miners that are caught stuck in Chile. That's, you know that school bus full of kids in Chowchilla. Uh, anyway, I just um, I don't know. I have a million jokes about really a million jokes about, about the fact oh, there goes that, our hour that we release our shows many weeks after we record them. But are we? We are up and running. This is The Movies That Made Me, with your hosts, Josh Olson and Joe Dante. I was like sort of prep for literally just the introduction of our guests and make sure I'm not missing anything. But then you sort of come across one where you're like, oh, I just, all I have to say is we are here this week with Lorraine Newman. And I mean, that's. <laughs> you, oh, you. You don't. You For, know. Former groundling. Josh. And and now uh, the new is. June Foray, as far as oh, I can see. Yeah. In terms, you. you do yes, so, yes. Much so much voice work. It's yeah. really remarkable. It's the best job ever. It is. 
You don't have to dress up. You don't have to do yes, anything. you work with incredibly generous and hilarious people. You act stupid. You get paid. And you, well, the thing, the thing, um, I do a, uh, an audio drama that I script. It's an enormous amount of work and so much fun um, called Bronzeville with Lawrence Fishburne and Lorenz Tate. And this oh, wow. incredible cast. And it's like old time radio drama. Uh-huh. And they do it, you know, we, we do it in the room. It's not like people are doing their lines separately. And it's so much fun watching actors when they come on their first day. Because I don't have to tell you, you know, you get out of your car and a minute later, you're sitting in a room doing scenes with, you know, Lawrence Fishburne or whoever. And right. people just love it. And then you're done. You go home. There's no mm -hmm. waiting. You know, there's no yeah. construction. There's no lighting. There's Yeah. It's, like, it's like being in a pickup band. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> but it's just doing the work and nothing yeah. else. And it's like. There's a show I do called Celebrity Autobiography. It's a stage show. It's been on Broadway. But basically. Uh, you're reading from celebrities' autobiographies. Oh, wow. So, you know, how, God rest your soul, uh, Florence uh, Henderson would read like Mr. T. Oh, things like that, you know. Uh, how did I miss that? It's a great show, but it's like being in a pickup band because you can just throw anybody into it. Right, right. Well, it seems like the work is the casting, right? Yes. Like you have to get the, yeah. Is that still, does that still go on? Oh, yeah. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. In New York, though. Everywhere, oh. all over the world, but, uh, yeah, we do it here in LA too. Oh wow, I have to keep my eyes peeled. Yeah, that that sounds amazing. I also, um, uh, before we get into it, I, I I need to thank you, I guess, for something. I, I've had two times in my life where I have laughed so hard. In fact, the first time um, I've talked about the show was at a I, can't, I think it was night at the opera. And I ended up in the hospital the next day with a doctor going over because my mother thought I had appendicitis and it didn't seem to. And the doctor said, um, were you laughing a lot? And I had been in the march. <laughs> the only other time I felt close to that much pain was, um, was there, it, it's hard to find. There was a SNL special with um, you and Gilda and Bob and Ray. Oh, yeah. And um, Bob and Ray, Jane, Lorraine and Gilda. That was it. Yes. And, <laughs> yeah. and Jay Curtin. And- Something about it, and I found a video of it a little while back and watched it and had the same effect. The, the so you literally bust a gut. The Rod Stewart. Yeah. So if you they think I'm do, sexy. Do you think I'm sexy? <laughs> yeah. And I remember my friend's house, and I've never literally, I mean, you pretend I fell out of a chair Aww. and I was hunched over on the floor in pain. Have you seen this bit? Well, it's all Franken and Davis. You know, they were huge Bob and Ray fans. Oh, sure. Um, so it was their dream to write that special. It, that was amazing. I'm sure it was my introduction to, to, to them. Mm -hmm. um, but that I used to listen me. to on the radio and, and the East Coast all the time. Well, you're a little older than I'm you, a little Joe. older. You yes. lucky. Yeah. Tiny bits. Uh, but anyway, Lorraine, thank you for, thank you for coming. It is my we pleasure. Are, we are thrilled Love to have you. Love talking about movies. Um, no, great. And then Joe, I, I didn't know this, and I apologize, and I mentioned it to Joe, and Joe goes, everyone knows that. And I was like, I, I did not know you were a big science fiction horror freak. Yes, and, I am. And apparently that's that's on me. Not, I'm, I'm, no, it's le it's legendary in the uh, in the fan community. I, I thought I was part of that community. He's winking, everybody, I'm, just so you know. I'm not. He's I'm winking and, and nudging always, Josh I've in known the ribs. I've known it since the uh, since you were on um, SNL with Christopher Lee. 
because oh, did I, you know? Uh, because I, I, yeah, and I, I remember reading something that you had said after, but about how what a great experience well, this was. Also, I had lobbied for him to be a host for That's two right. years, yes. uh, but it wasn't until he was in a James Bond movie right. that uh, they had him host. But he was, he was so wonderful. I mean. He did announce upon, you know, arriving that he won't be doing Dracula. It's like, oh, <laughs> no, but he more than made up. For Not it even because, privately. <laughs> <laughs> he was a great raconteur and um, very gregarious and very game. Fantastic. Yeah, we he, played, about, he, he played death. Yeah. Well, in, the, in, the, in the, the classic sketch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I remember. And then, then I think, was it, was it Dana we were talking about, Tim, with recently? We were talking about Serial. Because um, Christopher, Christopher Lee in the movie Serial, the Martin Mull film, is so devastating. I don't funny. know that, that movie. It's a gay biker. Oh, it's 1980. It somehow got just lost in the shuffle. It's uh -huh. based on a wonderful book. Um, it's Martin Mull, Bill Macy, Tommy Smothers. Jesus. I mean, you can't believe the cast in this thing. And Christopher Lee playing. I don't even want to give anything. Well, you need to see it. I think it, I've seen the picture of him as the gay biker. He, well, he, yeah, that's right. Didn't away, but yeah, he, he, he leads a group of, of gay bikers. And, oh, it's um, fabulous. Uh, fabulous. Yes. It's fabulous. Bill Persky, uh, right? What? Bill Persky. Did he direct? I think he directed. Oh, did he? It? I don't remember. He did. I know he wrote it. It's a, it's a movie I love, but yeah, there's so many guys. He's, he's phenomenal. Oh, I have it. to he's check that absolutely out. Absolutely hilarious. The movie's great too. But, um, but you came to talk to us about, um, Yes. You were just going to run us through a list of 10 of your favorite, was it horror films, science fiction films, just in general? It was, it was both. Kind you of know, both, um, yes. Mainly horror. There are a few science fiction classics like Godzilla. Um, well, actually, and the first horror movie I ever saw, my yeah, twin talking. brother and I were four years old. And I don't know who it was that took us to this movie. And I had always remembered the title being X-76 Bloodrust. But that was, the title was actually Space Commander no, 7 -6. Space Master. Space Master, there you go. It seemed incredible that the microscopic material that Space Master X-7 brought back to Earth from outer space could grow into this crawling, pulsating, thinking mass of protoplasmic evil. As the specimens grow, their need for nourishment also increases because of its color. I call this organism blood rust. It was the second feature to the fly. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and it. Uh, and everybody always called it blood rust, because because that was I think what because they, that's what Paul Fries is a scientist and he creates this stuff yes, which is was, basically rubber <laughs> <laughs> that they lay all over the set, but it's very toxic and it's bad and it gets on an airplane right and, and it's 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 one of those pseudo documentary style mm -hmm. uh, pictures where there's a, a scientific investigators who go to different places with the trains and planes and stuff all shot in real locations and um it's and it's a, to see a very interesting Paul movie. freeze as an actor too oh he's did a lot of movies yeah as actually was in I a lot of pictures that. yes nice. he's in suddenly he's uh, frank sinatra's henchman who gets shot uh he's in his kind of woman uh he's really if you look at his filmography he did a lot of acting as did marvin miller who was also a, a big voiceover guy mm -hmm. well mo howard is also in and mo howard what there. space right. commander he is he's a uh, straight role? Yes, he's a, he's a taxi driver. A cab driver. Does he have yeah. the I can't no. believe you know this hair? stuff. Huh? I am so impressed that you know Oh wait, this watch stuff. watch this. This is my favorite thing to do. Joe Joe has seen every movie. I have not. And then he No does one that. has seen every movie. <laughs> you have. But you know that movie. <laughs> of course I do. I saw oh. it when I was a kid. It was a, it was a, wow. It was a classic. Yeah. Well, What's the running time, Joe? 72 minutes. <laughs> 
Uh-oh. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's 72 minutes? No, we caught Joe off. Joe, you are wrong. What is it? 71. <laughs> we don't need the this internet. Is, don't okay. count the logo. I think we can wrap the show we up. Don't we count finally, the logo. We... <laughs> there you go. Gotcha. Uh, um, that's right. And, and so, wait, so you were a, a child. And you're... Yeah, I was. But we were... you saw this on a single bill? To the best it? of my recollection, yes. But I don't, I was four. Ever played you know, I don't remember. Maybe they just took you out before the fly came up. It could have been. Um, I love the fly also. And love Cronenberg's remake because yes. I love Cronenberg. Um, in fact, Howard he's, Shore, he's okay. who was the musical director of SNL's band, took me to my first uh, Cronenberg movie, which was The Brood, mm-hmm. which is just so brilliant. Yeah. You know, um, the whole idea that that this kind of malevolence could come as a result of psychotherapy is just brilliant. It's just science, wonderful. Scientology well, throwback. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and as as he and I actually am fond of reminding people that that is the best movie about divorce to come out that year. <laughs> that's great. Kramer, Kramer versus Kramer was the other, but I would. Uh, wow. I always think of Kramer versus Kramer as the picture with the out of focus shot. Oh. You know, there's a, there's a major scene between uh, Streep and Hoffman, and uh, Hoffman is out of focus. Really? And they said, oh, Dustin, you know, this is, we, we really have to do this over. He said, I, it's, I, I'm not doing it over. I'm, it's, I can't do any better. That's the best I can do. It's my best performance. So, but, but Dustin, everybody will look at it. They won't see your performance. They'll see the fact that it's out of focus. And he refused to reshoot it. Wow. And it's in the movie that way. Wow. Is it still effective? It's out of focus. Yeah. <laughs> can't see anything else. I don't know. I never noticed. So did you, maybe I did. I don't know. I, only, I only saw it in theaters once. It was not my favorite divorce movie that year. Um, Josh is getting a call, everyone. Hi, honey. Would you like to say hello to Lorraine Newman? Hello, Lorraine Newman. Hello. <laughs> Who am I talking to? It's my wife, Nancy. Hi, Nancy. I can't hear anything. We're, we're recording. Is it urgent? <laughs> Jesus, I'm outside. <laughs> she she always calls him. She never does. We I've been waiting for that to happen out. forever. That made my day. Um. <laughs> but you know the thing about that. What I remember about uh, Space Commander was that it it was made in something that looked like a sparklets bottle, but it wasn't. It came from outer space, and it looked like basically vomit. And uh, the denouement is it trying to force its way through the baggage hold of a plane, and everybody freaking out. And the only thing that would kill it was fire. And I think they cornered it in some boxcar or something or just, yeah. it's all these great shots of downtown LA too. Oh, really? Which I always love. Um, and, uh, and you know, I, I developed this um, love of going to a movie where I had to cover my eyes and part my fingers to see through, you know, uh, it just stayed with me always. Yeah. I always, I mean, I remember years later as an adult wondering as I was doing that, what, what, what is happening here that somehow if I only see the movie through my fingers, it won't be as terrifying. Yeah. Well, my, my twin brother slept with a nightlight till he was 14 because of space commander. Oh, wow. And it was that whole premise of if you have the covers over your head, you can't be harmed. Right. You know, so he well, literally sure. yeah, had yeah. it with just his nose exposed so he could breathe. You should tell uh, Josh your brother's name. Paul Newman. Yeah. Oh, I'm such a fan. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> oh my God, thanks. I'll tell him. 
That that was um, intentional. No, no, we're we're sixty seven. So oh, okay. Paul Newman really did yeah, no, he would have been okay that career then. Yeah, wow. So how did he feel about that when? Well, you know, we were listed and we lived in Beverly oh, Hills. No. Oh no! And people would call his number a lot. <laughs> we couldn't believe people would think he would be listed. In the phone book. But you know, this is it's it was usually people from the south, right? And I guess, um, I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just imagining. I just the, have to put those words right back in my mouth. You know, it, it, <laughs> it, it, it can't hurt to try. Let's try. And then you find Paul Newman is listed in Beverly Hills. And yeah. I don't know, but what are you going to say to him? I don't know what they, what did they say? I love Jim Cole and Luke. Yeah. I don't know. You were in that, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you should see me surf. <laughs> so so um were so that you, was the first move but you were afraid while you were oh terrified but I mean, there was that, also that's the thing and i think it's true for everybody who likes horror movies is that they're in much more trouble than you will ever be in right and you're warm and comfortable and you've got yeah. popcorn and let them be in trouble you know but i um i saw you know, all of the classic universal pictures on TV. Right. And do you remember that logo that was glass with the plane mm -hmm. flying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was so young when I started doing this that I thought every movie that had that opening was going to be a horror movie. Oh, fantastic. And I would sit through <laughs> yeah. it. was like, well, that cowboy's not scary. Why are they kissing? You know, I just didn't get it. You know, and I'd yeah. sit through it and wait, wait, nothing. Oh, that's, that's, I can, yeah, I, I feel that pain somehow. That, yeah. Uh, uh, that's so great. Yeah. I love that logo. I mean, but that, that's sure. I think, but I also think it's either going to be a horror film or some kind of crime movie, mm -hmm. which is. Uh, oh, they had a lot of different kinds of movies. They what? They made a lot of different kinds of movies. Yeah. But those are the good ones. Um, There's a documentary on Carl Lumley that's coming out that's amazing. Really? And uh, it shows them building Universal Studios and what the landscape looked like before. Oh. And, uh, Carl Lumley trying to beat out the obstructive nature of Thomas Edison, who had all these patents. It was like stopping people at every turn. And so that's why he moved out to California, to just get away from all of that. Um, but these movies, these horror movies, really put them on the map. Yeah. And um, there's one movie in particular, and I know you're going to know this movie, which is The Black Cat. <laughs> Did you ever hear of Satanism, the worship of the devil, of evil? Apertig is the great modern priest of that ancient cult. And tonight, dark of the moon, the rites of Lucifer are celebrated. And if I'm not mistaken, he intends you to play a part in that ritual. A very important part. And it was 1934, and it was before the Hayes Code and, and stuff like that. And it is unbelievable, the plot. But the art direction, too, oh, is yeah. just magnificent. Um, help me it. remember, because there, it's, it's like it's, there's war crime involved, and it's World War I, Bela it's a, Lugosi. It's, it's post-World War I, and, yeah. and Bela Lugosi has come back to uh, get revenge on uh, this guy who took away his wife. Mm -hmm. uh, and he uh, has built his art deco modern um, house on the ruins of a war a, a, a battle. There was a battle, and yes. uh, yeah. and and, uh, and so uh, there's a, there's a, a feeling of death 
it's it's one of the most morbid movies yes that is. anybody's ever made and um edgar ulmer uh, who is the director um was unfortunately uh his career was affected by the fact that he was uh sleeping with um somebody's wife uh, at the studio wow and uh that put the kibosh on him and he couldn't make any more pictures for major studios for many many years wow uh, but also it's just it's it's such a european movie i mean it's a very strange the characters are very odd and weird and 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 it was it was so uh effective when they finished it that they had to reshoot parts of it because uh it was just too dark to tone down the, to tone it no. down and, uh, and 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 originally Karloff and Lugosi were both villains and in the reshoot uh, Lugosi becomes the nominal hero right. type and saves the girl and all that and it's, he's great in it it's one of his one of his best they roles they both are but there was also some implication incest that, uh, I don't incest there's incest yeah Oh, but I think he also Karloff was responsible for certain war crimes. I, I could swear that there's somehow that that's implied. Mm. Um, so remember, we just yeah, I do a Halloween marathon every year. We kicked it off with that this past year. And it, oh, really? I don't remember. I, yeah, my uh, memory's hazy, but but I mean, it played so well. Yeah, just, there's a digital clock in it. It's just it's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, and it's got great music. Yes, all all classical music. It's really, yeah really scored well i think peter and the wolf is used in a lot of uh early universal uh horror that makes sense or is it swan lake the, swan the, lake the, i'll be all right uh, yeah swan lake yeah peter and the wolf's good too peter. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um and then the mummy too mm. uh the look of that movie and um especially when he has his reincarnated lover you know, ready for sacrifice. And what she's wearing is basically two ribbons covering her nipples. That's yes. it. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I was amazed by that, even as a kid, just seeing that. And there's something titillating about these movies as well. Uh, there's another, another movie that I really loved called Caltiki, which was an Italian movie. I never realized it was dubbed because, again, I was very young. Um, but, you know, I watched the trailer recently and it's like men devoted to them. Women give them their beauty, you know, and it, it, you see this woman undulating on the ground. Ages ago, in a long lost part of the world, the Mayans worshipped a terrifying goddess. To her, men offered their strength and their devotion. Women offered the beauty of their bodies. Altiki, the immortal monster. And it's it's so good. The special effects are really good. And Mario Bava did those special effects. Oh yeah? Oh my god, this guy. Yeah, I know. Oh. It's it's yeah. <laughs> Misspent youth. <laughs> Uh, Caltiki was, um, everybody thought it was a Mexican movie because it, it, it was obviously a foreign film and it takes place in Mexico. So everybody right. assumed for years that it was a Mexican movie, but it's, it's actually an Italian movie and, um, with, a, with a nominal English star, um, and everybody else is, you know, Italian mm -hmm. and they used to, they used to Americanize the names so that people, so they would fool people into thinking they were American movies. Uh-huh. And, uh, oh, the actors you mean? Yeah, they used to change the names. Yeah. Mark Stone. You mean in the credits? In the credits, yeah. yeah. Wow. So it was, <laughs> it, was, it was many years before some of the real people got actual credit. 
Uh, and they did that with Italian Westerns. They did that with, mm-hmm. with any, any, any import that they wanted to pass off as not European. They would just anglicize the names. Wow. And the names are always so goofy in their Americanness, you know. Um, but uh, well, Sergio the- Leone became Bob Roberts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's beautiful. Joe Williamson. Um, what's the running time on that, Joe? Do you know? Shut up. <laughs> that was, I've never done that to him before. That was impressive. I'm I'm kind of boggled. Uh, but do, you, do I assume that you go back to these movies? I don't like seeing things that I've seen before. Oh, right. Okay. But there are a few exceptions, like Poltergeist, mm-hmm. uh, The Ring. There's also a movie called Where, W-E-R, for Werewolf, that I've seen three times. Oh, what a good boy. What's he doing? Peter, stay close to your dad. An American man and his young son were brutally killed last night. There is no factual evidence to indicate anything more than an animal attack. At 1452, we apprehended the suspect. The man accused of these crimes, one Talon Gwinnick. He had hair all over his hands. They were huge. He was tearing my boy to pieces. He's my client. I'm defending him. There's a very rare disease called porphyria. And symptoms include excessive body hair, joint pain, muscle weakness. People that have this can barely move. It will prove that you were not capable of committing these crimes. Thank you. It's an American movie, but it's set in France. There are French actors. There are British actors. Uh, It is so good. And the guy who is the werewolf is the bass player of the band Eagles of Death Metal. What? Yeah. And he's so good. And he speaks French in the movie. So you, you just assume he's a French actor. But he's from Palm Springs, dude. You know, it's just, but Palm it is you. so good and it has so much. I wish that they would do a, a follow up to it because they set the stage for a sequel for sure. Now, where did you see this? On Apple TV. I troll for stuff on Apple TV. Well, yeah, you have to. I mean, it, it used to be that when movies got released, everybody knew about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, there were fewer movies then too, but now there's there's everything today that we have. You know, not only all, you, you, all the old movies that we can see that we could never yeah. see before, but all the new movies that are coming out. And because of the distribution systems now, and the fact that very few of these things play in theaters, and very few people see them in theaters, um, there are all these movies floating around that you just don't know exist. Yeah. You know, which is part of what we do on Trailers from Hell. Is that the case with Mandy? Mandy. <laughs> I mean, didn't ding, it? ding 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 ding. Never realized. Do you remember? Do you have a theatrical release? It did, but okay. do you remember on, on the on Groucho's show they used to have this doc <laughs> that came down when yeah. somebody said the secret word? Okay. Well, we need to do that. The last couple of episodes, I've refrained from mentioning because Joe gives me grief because I bring up Mandy almost every episode. I was obsessed with it. I think it's an amazing film. We had the director it's... come on. And uh, our last guest brought it up on his own, and now you brought it up on your own. And I'm just, uh-huh. I'm innocent it's here. Just, it's, it's like a plot. <laughs> Do you dislike that movie? No, I don't dislike it, but it's just so bizarre to me that this movie that is actually not that popular uh, is well, is become so... horror fans, if you yeah. come up with something that you haven't seen before... Which is hard. It's <laughs> very hard. And they do that with Mandy. So... You know, I was, I was very, them. I'll send you a link if you want to say it. I Somehow I felt it had to be there because I kept waiting for it to show up in the movie and it didn't, um, I barely edited. I took one of the trailers of the film 
and I laid Barry Manilow's Mandy over it. <laughs> and I did one little mix thing to bring up one line of dialogue and then went back to that. But um, uh, it plays, you can't believe, I sent it to Panos, the director, and he was knocked. It's like, you can't believe how perfectly it, it syncs up so. with it. Oh, wow. And the crazy thing is, I, I put it out on social media and uh, this is a couple months ago, and then somebody pointed out somebody else had done the exact same thing six months earlier. Oh, geez. It just it begs it's in the to, zeitgeist. Yeah, somehow. Wow. But uh, no, I, I love Mandy. Um, yeah, and that, well, good. that one actually, the thing with that is that it 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 did better than anyone thought it would. It, it started out on VOD in like two theaters or something, and then word of mouth was so strong it kept. So uh, it had a small theatrical release. Well, it got bigger and bigger. It, got, it was intended to be small, as uh -huh. as horror movies tend to be. I'll give them ten theaters and then we'll yeah. put it out on you know. But you know, if it if it if it sings to people, then obviously yeah. they keep it. It played more it's, theaters the second week than it did the first, which is amazing. That never wow. happens. But where? So am I gathering that you were not familiar with where? No, I'm not. Wow. I'm not. Do you mean where would I, but uh, yeah, where, I where uh, would I have it. found out about it? I don't know. Where do you, do you through the? Did you? Were you familiar? With no. <laughs> this it's, never happened. He, act, he asked that question as if he knew about yeah. it and I did. Oh no, not at all. I'm perfectly happy. To, I, you know, well, if, if you to troll, you know things like Apple TV, you will find. Yeah. You know, did you, you did you had someone that's the best though? No, you, and but don't you need a recommendation? Because if you're going to troll and it just tells you this is the movie that we're running and you don't know anything about it, I'm happy then to you have, have to just take a take a shot. You know, I'm happy to have a recommendation, but a lot of these I just find so and I look at the synopsis, this. I look at the trailer, that's the greatest thing, and ever. I yeah, I know, I I love that. Um, well, this is not on the subject, but I go to Coachella often, and in the early years. Um, it was dusk, the sky was pink, the temperature was like amniotic fluid, and I heard this band, and I wandered over to them, and it was an orchestra, a guy was playing a stand-up bass with a drumstick, and another guy was playing the electric guitar with a violin bow, and it was Seeger Rose. Oh, wow. And they're from Iceland, they're, they're yeah. just, and you know, they use their music a lot for, for soundtracks also, mm. but... Um, you know, nobody had told me about them. Nobody had recommended right. them to me. It's a great way to come to something. Yeah. Oh, no, it's the best. It's the best. I, I just, I find, especially with movies now on digital media, there's so much there that, you know, in the old days, just walking into a theater, you know, there's a decent were, chance. And there were know, posters. Yeah, there's posters and stuff. There's, there's a possibility, but but the odds are so far against you if you're just... I, I used to, I think I've talked about this before. Netflix used to have the thing where you'd pull up a movie and they'd have, if you like this, you might like these, mm -hmm. like five other movies. They do that on Apple TV. They do that on Apple. Yeah. yeah. I, what I used to do is I would, I would just, I would drop down, I click on that, then I drop down again and I just go down the deepest, darkest oh, hole a great I could rabbit hole. until you get to like a list of movies that just you can't <laughs> even believe really exist and then watch yeah. one of them. But it's never worked out for me. Well, because they are usually bad. I'm so jealous. <laughs> I mean, that, that that rating system is pretty accurate. What mm. I've, from my experience. What's the? The uh, it's it's like percentages, okay. Rotten Tomatoes, and you can drop down and see the theatrical reviews, yeah. Variety, Hollywood Reporter, LA right. Times, Chicago Sun. Well, I found a friend of mine turned me on, but the, but the, you have to learn how to. Like a 99% for a Marvel movie means it's terrible. Oh, you have to get a hundred, but a 32% for a horror film means it's almost certainly pretty damn good. Yeah. It's like there's different kind of You have numbers. to know how to read it. have to know how to read the numbers on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. The but Marvel also the Rotten Tomatoes, they cheat all the time. I mean, well, they, that too. They, they, they'll give a splat 
you know, and then you'll read the review and actually it's a good review. And then yeah. sometimes they'll give a, a, a big tomato and it's, and it's actually the guy didn't like the movie at all. Right. They said one, one line about it, which they quote, and then they give it an okay. Yeah. So I, I think there's stuff going on there. I think there is stuff going on. Some money I've heard some other people say that about Rotten Tomatoes, that it's not to be trusted. Well, Metacritic is the more accurate one where they actually read them. And I mean, it's insane that it's crazy. Metacritic? Metacritic. But if it's a new they movie, a if it's a new movie, it doesn't matter. Nobody, right. it, what people say about a movie when it's new has nothing to do with what they're going to say about it 10 years later. And then there's that. You know? I'm so psyched though. If I just find, I'm, I'm always looking, you know, I do, I curate this big Halloween marathon. I've got a big screen at home and a bunch of friends come over. We pack the place. We watch horror movies for a solid day. Mm-hmm. And I'm always looking for, I like to throw in some, you know, we did Black Cat was in there last year, but I always want to yeah. find something new that's completely unknown. So uh, where, where we'll have to go in there. And I also, I just, I, I just found out it's coming out in time for this. The, the Danzig film will be out in October. What film is that? You know about this. Do you not know about this? I don't think so. Oh, okay. Uh, Joe Dante on Twitter tweeted about it. So, I, uh... <laughs> well, give me give me more than that word. Uh, Glenn Danzig, <laughs> the um, the heavy metal singer, uh, has made a oh, that. horror yes. anthology that, film called anthology. Yeah. that is apparently the most, you, I mean, not just jaw droppingly awful thing you've ever seen, and is being compared favorably to the Room. And it sounds. Oh, well, I mean, <laughs> they, they know their audience. Well, he apparently, there's, there's this one, you know, he comes out to the first screening of it. And I think the first thing he said was like, well, you all laughed at places I wouldn't have, but okay. Did not quite getting it. <laughs> and now a couple of weeks later, he's now, he's gotten. He's embraced it. He's embraced the idea. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it looks like. That's what we, well, we meant it to be We that. meant it to be that. Yeah. Yes. But. Uh, oh gosh. Yeah. What's the title again? Uh, Verotic. Verotic. With a K. Oh, yes. <laughs> wow. Well, you know, just anybody can make a movie. Uh, it's true these days. Yeah. yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Wow. Well, there's another movie in Antonio Banderas where he's a plastic surgeon. Mm. Have you seen that one? What's yeah. the title um, of that? Um, Isn't that an Almodovar? Yeah, yeah. Is it under Almodovar? Oh my God, I'm losing my mind. I, the the director? I don't think, yes. I think so. Yeah. yeah, is it under the skin? Under the skin? Yeah. Skin I'm in. The skin, yeah. I'm, the skin I'm in. What the yeah, hell? Something action. with skin oh, in the I'm title. Look it up. <laughs> I'm looking it up. There we go. There we go. But that's definitely a horror movie. Yeah, it think? is. It yeah. is a horror movie. Oh, yeah, but there's yeah. a whole tradition of plastic surgery horror movies. In fact, my episode of Nightmare Cinema, which just opened on Friday, is a plastic surgeon horror movie. Um, what is Nightmare Cinema? It's another. It's an anthology with uh, five directors. How can I see it? Uh, you could go to the Arena Cine Lounge on, uh, on Sunset where it's playing, uh, or you can, it's on VOD. Oh, it is. Yeah, you better write that down. It is. Um, I love you your work, by the way. Oh, thank you. I the Howling was just blew my mind because you know yes. you think that nobody can treat that topic unique in a unique way, and just you watch. Yeah. You know, I always appreciate that, as I've said. Oh, it's, it's, as I said, it's hard to do. When I saw Cabin in the Woods, I thought, you know, oh. this, is, this is a movie that starts out being what we think it is. 
Yeah. And then it completely becomes something different. And uh, the, the first episode of Nightmare Cinema, which I did not direct, uh, uh, is uh, it starts out as the last reel of a slasher movie. Mm-hmm. And so you don't have any setup. You don't have any, you don't know who the people are. You don't know what's going on. Some of the girls running away. You don't know from what. Uh, and then there are, there are twists that take place within it. And it's only 25 minutes long uh, that are so unexpected and clever that um, it just reminded me again, how, how, how great Cabin in the Woods was because they completely turned on its ear all your expectations while still giving you what you wanted. Oh, yeah. And that's the hard thing. Yes. Genre audiences want certain things or they wouldn't keep going back to see the same movies over and over. But if you, and if you just give them what they think they want, eh, they're kind of disappointed. But if you can find a way to get a different take on it and to, to get into that area in a, in a new way that illuminates something about the genre, then they love it. But the irony is Cabin in the Woods was on the shelf for like two years. Oh, you're kidding. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, that that trope of, you know, the young people on a road trip, you're right away, it's like, oh God, not this again. But they managed to even, you know, rope you in with that. Uh, I don't really know how they did that. But um, the I, they also, I, I really appreciated, and I guess this is under the category of giving people what they want, but they had every monster yes. of yeah. every movie you've ever seen, and then some. And then the idea that there's something below that, an existential something, is just yes. brilliant. Yeah. So brilliant. Um, it, uh, it is, by the way, the skin I live in. Oh, yeah. Okay. One of, yeah, no, that's very creepy. And that's, that's, is that, because that's his only foray into anything like that. Uh, I don't, I, I, the other stuff has been much, pretty light. Much, well, yeah, much or, lighter. He's done darker stuff too, like Matador, but it's never been. No, they don't, that, I would call that a horror film. film. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm sorry. It gets darker, but it isn't yeah. that horrific. Um, but, uh, uh, so wait, so you don't go back. Um, so, so for, for instance, have you seen, uh, I apologize. There were so many titles, Blood Rust. Um, Space Master Space, X7. Space I did. Space. I did. Have you seen that as an adult? Yes, I have. I saw and... it relatively recently. That's how I know Mo Howard is in it. <laughs> um, <clears throat> was that pleasurable? It was. I really enjoyed it. And I was stunned because I have never seen Paul Freese in a movie. You know, I Oh, know. you don't. You you have, but you didn't notice him. Oh, okay. He, um, but he's he's pretty ubiquitous, actually. Yeah. Oh, his, wow. So his voice that is voice. certainly that's ubiquitous. Oh, that's I mean, when you can, when you can, when you when you attune yourself to the timber of Paul Frees's voice, yeah. Oh, yeah, you can hear him in so many movies as as you know announcements on the radio. Sometimes as characters who are completely dubbed by him in Blood and Black Lace, all the male characters practically are dubbed by Paul Frees. Oh my so God. in all these scenes, he's these these seven guys are standing there and they're all talking to each other and they're all Paul Frees. <laughs> Is he augmenting his voice? He cha- he different... changes his pitch. He okay. does, you know, um, a bit, but it's basically still his voice. I mean, once you recognize his voice, you can you can pick it up. Well, my my first introduction to his voice is the Monsanto ride at Disneyland. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. That's the first time yeah. I ever heard it. Yeah. And then he did. And then he did the Haunted Mansion mm-hmm. uh, and Pirates of the Caribbean. Right. Uh, and every so often they 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 phase out one of his phrases and put something else by somebody else and and people get mad and say what happened to the what happened to the what happened to the real voice you know Aww. and he's been gone for God, a long time I know Wait, I can't is he oh God I should know this the, is he the the alternate voice in Dark of the Sun for the Nazis yes he is, that is okay yeah which, which is, they don't which they use in a, but they don't use it they, every they time really switch it they out. switch it's back a and forth Rod Taylor mercenary movie with Jim Brown from the sixties called oh, Dark of the Sun and God, there's a Nazi character. Great. It's really oh, no, it's great. It's got a chainsaw fight. 
Oh, yeah. With Nazis. <clears throat> and there's, there's this Nazi guy, this, this, this blonde guy, just, who for some reason, I don't know if there was something wrong with the recordings yeah. and they couldn't get him back, but sometimes he talks in his regular voice and other times, every time Sometimes he opens his mouth, it's Paul Fritz. <laughs> and in, in, in Some Like It Hot, all of Tony Curtis's uh, performance as a woman is dubbed by Paul Fries. But My mouth is agape. Wait, I think you said this before and I traumatically erased it. It's he, absolutely true. He's dubbed Every over. time Tony Perkins, uh, Cur- Tony Perkins, Tony, Tony Curtis Tony opens Curtis. his mouth uh, as a woman, Paul Fries comes I out. And you can tell stunned. because the background noise goes away. Oh my God, that's, I love knowing that. I don't know if I do. <laughs> well, Tony didn't seem to mind. Well, yeah, he, didn't, he was getting paid. He <laughs> Apparently care. he didn't do a very good female voice. I mean, um, I got a Billy taste of things, it decision. does not compare with that. But um, I worked for Guillermo del Toro on a cartoon. And um, I found out that the, the sets in uh, Shape of Water yeah. were repurposed sets from, uh, oh my God, The Strain. Oh, that would yeah. make sense because he produced that. A good little tidbit. Yeah, and just I love knowing that. That's kind of wonderful. <laughs> That's um, I'm. St- I, why do I? I know you've said that before. It somehow it just I really. Don't, it didn't I didn't just hit. say it. It's true. I, well, <laughs> there are there so are Nazi say, zombie movies too. Oh sure, there are shockwaves. Yeah. yeah, shockwaves. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and a lot of great Swedish ones too. Swedish. Oh, noir recent. and horror, so good. Yeah. What's the? There is a recent Swedish yeah, Iron something. Iron, uh, no, no, the one about the Nazis in the snow. Yeah, that's that I can't remember the title, but <laughs> I, I sure as hell have watched it. <laughs> it's, we're gonna be that podcast. Yeah. Hey, you see that movie with the thing? The oh, snow yeah, Nazis. with the guy, yeah, the thing with that the guy, guy in the place. Snow oh, Nazis. Yeah, what's that called? I don't know. It's got mm. snow Nazis. Well, they yeah. can people can write in, you know, yeah, you he's asking these questions. Yes, yeah. actually, we did that on my marathon. Yeah, that was wonderful. The the, the movie with snow Nazis is great. Um, <laughs> I'm is. glad you liked it. What? <laughs> Dead snow. Dead snow. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you, Chris. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, let the right one in was a sweet right one. In. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For um, their thrillers are great too, but yeah. really dark. Avenue Q, the trilogy, or mm-hmm. not Avenue, uh, Department Q. Oh it's, yeah, it's yeah. A trilogy. The, mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, Ooh, yeah. is that dark? Cop stuff. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's just so dark because yeah. they're serial killers. Mm. Yeah. They're just imaginative. Isn't that always <laughs> night there? It seems like it's it. always <laughs> night, always and it's certainly yeah, always yeah, cold. Yeah. It's always cold, and yes. cold really lends itself to horror, don't you it think? It does. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, yeah, we're thirty days of night, which I also was a great premise. At least uh, I went to the Midnight Sun Film Festival in uh, in uh, where was it? Uh, Denmark, I think. Oh, that sounds and, like so much fun! Right there, it, 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 it's 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 horror movies, but it's it's, oh, it's daytime all the time. Except when it's night, and then it's then it's then it's night. Right. But it it is um, so disorienting that um, you really start to wonder whether you should get up and leave the bed <laughs> because you just don't know. It, it, it's it's a it's a it's worse than jet lag because right. you know you're not going anywhere, you're not traveling, you're just in a place. Um, also, there's a lot of mosquitoes. Oh, I hate that. <laughs> it's like it's like that Al Pacino movie that um, that takes oh, place in. I'm sorry? The Chris Nolan one. Uh, okay. No, the one they remade. Yeah, that's a remake. Yeah. Oh, it is? With, yeah, Chris Nolan. Uh, here we go again. <laughs> you know, the one with the thing where Al Pacino can't sleep. That movie, yeah. it's great. Yeah, no, Chris Nolan remade it. It's a, uh, with Robin Williams. 
Right. It's yes. very palpable. Um, I want to say Indonesia, not Indonesia. Uh, Sleepless in Indonesia. Insomnia. <laughs> insomnia. Insomnia, Indonesia. You know, the thing where you can't sleep. Um, but yeah, it's a remake of a Swedish. But yeah. his yeah. his discomfort is really palpable. Yeah. You know, yeah. the thing that is slowly, you know, he has to contend with headaches and the lack of sleep and all this stuff while trying to, you know, outwit this yeah. foxy serial killer. So good, so effective. Yeah, well, agreed. agreed. I'm trying to think of some things that I've seen recently that are good. Always tough. Oh no, <laughs> it's a problem. But do you find and I keep wondering: is it like is I'm getting older, or is it just there's so much input now that um, it's far more common to be having the experience we, we've actually been having for the last five minutes? I'm trying to remember the name of a movie I saw a week ago. I know. Even if I really liked it, yeah. I'll try this. What's you know they just run a bunch of trailers. Uh -huh. Name one. What? Name a trailer that you saw that I've seen at the recently? theater. I mean, they 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 just they're all, first of all they're all the same trailer, right? Uh, and after you leave, it's, I because I always ask people, so what were the trailers? What's coming? Yeah. Nobody can remember, right? But you did see them, right? Yeah, sure. I saw them, but I don't and, and I make a point of getting there a time to see them. It's, Although it's, I'm always <laughs> with someone that says, "Well, I've now seen the movie," right? Which you haven't, you know. Yes, there's Hopefully. still more to find out. Although I just saw last night for some we were uh, about a 10 minute long trailer for some 60s giallo film that I actually believe there's nothing left to see. It's just this endless, they made some long trailers. They did. For those they, the Italians were very big on long and, trailers. And yeah, and by, by, by minute five, you're just going, I'm, I'm done. I'm enough. Uh -huh. and it just keeps going. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Which I feel like is the exact opposite of what you want to instill in your audience. No, that's why when, when I worked for Roger Corman, we used to do teasers. <laughs> yes. Which is just a 60 second trailer Those which the uh which the uh, theater would get for free because it was right. a teaser and then the, they'd have to pay for the trailer and what roger would do he did on death race 2000 um we did a trailer for death race 2000 and he didn't like it because he, he always thought the picture was too silly right. and the trailer made it look silly he said well let's just send them back the the teaser and i said yeah but now they have to pay for it he said they won't know and he was right he didn't <laughs> <Jeez>. know <laughs> you know he's he's incredible that guy he is um, I actually went ticking. back and look, I know he is. I went back and looked at a lot of, uh, his movies too. And the Tangler, you know, well, the uh, Tangler was William Castle. Oh shit. That's right. No, he was, he did the Edgar Allan Poe movies with, that's uh, right. Some prices. That's right. But great. Too. Yeah, so I, um, yeah, there was, uh, we talked about this. There was a period, a Cine family several years ago did a, um, William Castle festival. And, and they wired the seats. Well, there's a guy, yeah, Jordan Rosa, who's yeah. a mad genius, figured out how to do all the, because they didn't leave behind That's instructions. fantastic. And they actually wired the seats for the team. Well, they, 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 the, they did leave behind instructions. There's oh, did a, they? There's a, I have a copy of the press book where, uh, where okay. it's, they sent for to the exhibitors. actual instructions? Yeah. Like how uh, to wire it's, the and seats. It's, and believe so me, it's, it's, it's a big deal. Wow. I mean, it's many pages. And the trick is they're, they're like World War II surplus motors or something, and you have to put them underneath the seat, and then you have to figure out a way to to uh, activate them, but you don't put them under every seat. You put right, them in like random. every third or fifth seat or whatever. So the people go, what's that? Why is that guy doing that? Yeah. Um, and it was apparently very effective, but, but it was to talk exhibitors into doing anything more than put the poster up and put the, or have the an name on the marquee. Outside the yeah. Theater. That's a big deal. That's Cause easy. they don't like to do that. Well, you know, a, like a lot of times we, we sort of go through stuff and you figure, Oh, they'll keep up. But on the, there are going to be people who don't, cause this is a big one. I mean, the tingler, doesn't really matter about the fits of Vincent Price film produced by William Castle, but they put these little generators under random seats in the theaters at appropriate times in the film. 
They buzz people. They, they would electrocute. No, Joe. it's they not. They didn't electrocute them. them. They just, the seats moved. <laughs> it, it, it's a little... But also, it's an acid trip. I mean, he's taking acid. Well, the movie is yeah. one of the most preposterous movies ever made. Oh, I mean, yeah. the, script, the plot is just nonsensical. Everybody treats it very straight, like it's really serious and happening. But it, it's, 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 it's ridiculous. Uh, but it's all planned around this gimmick. Which was just not used, used in all the theaters. It was the it was seldom actually really used because most exhibitors just didn't want to go to the trouble. Right. But the ones that were the were the ones that turned into a big box office hit were the ones who actually went and did the extra went the extra mile. Yeah. Like like in his previous picture, House on Haunted Hill, he had a uh, a lighted skeleton that would come up out of a box oh, in the God, corner and it would sail him. over the audience at a certain point, and um, the the kids would throw candy at it, you know, and. and, and <laughs> You try Fantastic. to shoot it down. No uh, but so not not that many people used Emerjo uh, when they played the picture, but it was enough to get everybody talking about it, and it became a big hit. Wow. Well, Plus, it was, it's it a was, fun movie. It's a fun movie. Yeah. It is scary. But I do remember clearly that the setup is that, you know, this all happens, tapping into the fear by taking acid. Right. I mean, they're very explicit about it. Is it literally acid surgic. or something? No, it's LSD. LSD. It's, 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 it's oh, wow. the screen's yeah. first LSD trip. Oh, well, mm -hmm. okay. Uh, wow. Which goes back to Corman again. Yeah. The trip. trip. Yeah, yes. yeah. more LSD. Yes, yes. Um, which, which Joe is Joe is a great script that he's going to make soon, right? Sure, any minute. Um, about Roger Corman's experience uh, making that film and having to do acid. He did? Yeah. Man, Jack Nicholson said, you know, if I'm, he, he wrote it and he said, Roger, if you're going to make this picture, you really, you've got to take acid. That's and, a great and story. And so he did. Yeah, it is. And so we did a, we did a whole screenplay, uh, which we've been getting close to making every <laughs> whatever, every That's two fantastic. years. Uh, and it'll happen. It's a, it's a joy to read. And there, there's literally, I'm, I'm sorry, it's a terrible thing to do. I'll say terrible things about you for the rest of the show, but I there is nobody better to direct that movie than... I have no doubt. Than, uh, we did, we did, a, live, we did a live reading with, uh, with Bill Hader as Roger at, uh, oh the, my God. at the Vista a couple of years ago. And uh, it went off very well, and it convinced uh, a company to sort of take it on and, um, you know, try to get it made. So we're still hoping. I did a Roger Corman movie, and um, it was the kind of thing where, you know, working became a pragmatic thing because I have kids at the time and uh, still do. Thank goodness. <laughs> um, now, now that you think of it. And, uh, so it was called Revenge of the Red Baron. And it was, the screenplay was written by Mike McDonald from the Groundlings in Mad TV. Oh. And it had Groundlings in it, too. But at the same time, it, it was kind of garbage. And so <laughs> I said to my agent, just name a price that they'll never meet. And they <laughs> met it. Uh, so it starred Mickey Rooney, uh, Cliff DeYoung, Ronnie Shell, and Toby Maguire as my son. And uh, it was a <laughs> experience just because <laughs> Mickey Rooney was such a foul piece person uh, person creature uh, and I don't want to get explicit because it is just so gross the things he did in my eyeline oh no when he knew it was my single I just oh and his idea I mean in the dictionary under uncouth Mickey Rooney uh, <laughs> just oh we had um Caleb Deschanel, who shot uh, the Black Stallion on the show a while back, and he talked about uh, there's a scene with with Rooney and the kid having this intense conversation, and 
And Mickey would, while he's talking to the kid, would every now and then reach over and pinch him. So the kid would go like this. And he was trying to figure out what was going on. And they realized in editing, he wanted to make sure that they couldn't stay on him for the entire shot. So they'd have to cut to him. <laughs> that is diabolical. <laughs> well, when you've, been in the, when you've been in the business that long <laughs> and start out as a child actor, you learn all the tricks. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. That might be my favorite thing that I've learned doing this show. <laughs> Mickey Rooney would abuse a child to get a close-up. <laughs> Man. Insatiable. Yes. Yes. Wow. So what year was this Red Baron? Um, I don't even know. The 90s for sure. Um, and really, the, it was literally a, a little red airplane with the puppet in it. You know, I mean, and uh, it was, but I did get to shoot a gun. That was good. It's fun. Yeah. So did you get at somebody or? Uh, yeah, well, at the plane. Oh, great. Okay. Yeah, the plane. The plane. Hey, so that was part one of our chat with Lorraine Newman. We'll be back with part two next week. But meanwhile, let's take a quick visit to the mailbag. Uh, let's see. Um, Molson Blue, this is a simple one, uh, wants to know who did the original movie poster artwork for Explorers? Well, there's several different ones. Uh, if you mean the uh, the black tar paper one, that one. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know, but if I if I knew who he was, I'd burn his house down. <laughs> okay, let's go. <laughs> really? It's a terrible. It's a terrible piece of art. It, he it, says it, it's a beautiful poster. For it, it, it may be a beautiful poster on your wall, but it didn't look so good when it was plastered all over the fences and in, in, in town and looked like black tar paper, and you couldn't see anything. There's no. I'm, I'm sitting here. What, what are you this selling? One. There's an image. There's a fence. There's a bicycle. There's what a skateboard. A skateboard and a you know, I glowing mean, light. I, what what the fuck is that? I mean, I'm sorry. It's yeah. just that that is not the movie. Uh, you it, don't it, need a driver's license to reach the stars. It's, it's. I'm so glad now. I have to ask all of them because I I was about to skim over that because oh, that's a pretty simple question. That won't be. He'll just say you know Bobo Rodriguez and we'll no, move I, on. I, I have no idea. <laughs> Miss most one of the most mixed marketed unfinished movies ever. Um, Brian Ciano from Philadelphia. Uh, Brian Ciano. Yes. Uh, what books would you guys love to make into a movie and what books or writers do you think are really unfilmable? And if you're adapting a book, how do you decide to change a little or a lot? Well, unfilmable, you know, that, 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 that I don't, I don't, there, there are a lot of books that are unfilmable as written, but most books when they're turned into movies are you either take two or three ideas and throw away the rest of it. Uh, or you just turn it into something else or follow, follow where it's, where it's going to lead. Um, what was the first point? Uh, what books would you love to make into a movie? Uh, I was trying for years to, <laughs> to make a, uh, a movie out of the sheep look up, which is by John Brunner. It's a science fiction movie about, about the future, which we're now in. So it's a little late. Um, and I, was, I always wanted to make a, uh, a movie out of the Screwfly Solution oh. by James Tiptree. Yeah. And uh, uh, when I was at New World, we had a, I, had, I had a sort of a, a take on a whole uh, script for it. And later, I had a chance to do it as an episode of Masters of Horror. And uh, it's only an hour long, but it turned out to be so depressing <laughs> that I realized that if I had made it as a feature film, nobody would have come to see it at all. And, uh, and the only way I could get it made was 
uh, as part of another show that had other episodes in it. So nobody would like be able to pick up on this one and say, boy, this is really grim. I mean, it's about a plague that causes men to kill women. And, uh, and, and, and there are things about it that are uh, shockingly prescient uh, in, in today's misogynistic society. Uh-huh. So um, it, was, it, was a, it, was a, it was a very interesting thing. It's the only thing I've ever done that has no humor in it. Really? Yeah. It's not funny. Um, yeah, mine is, uh, and there's a question later that I saw, so sorry, it's a two for sort of what, what's your favorite unmade project, um, to date. Uh, um, I adapted a short story by Dennis Lehane called Until Gwen, um, which is to date my favorite thing that I've ever written. Um, I, I bought the, I bought the story outright. I'm going to direct it. We've gotten close several times. It's an incredible, beautiful love story in the midst of a really dark father son relationship. Um, and an amazing, amazing short story all told sort of through the, it's told in the second person and it's all sort of a memory piece. And, um, some people are writing, how the hell would you turn this into a movie? Uh, but it's, it's a phenomenal. I urge you to seek it out. It's in his book, um, Coronado. Uh, and it's uh, an incredible piece of work and still today, probably the best script I've ever written. Uh, English Dracula or the Spanish one, Joe. Uh, I think the, he means the American. Dracula the American one, Spanish yes. One. The English um, language. Well, the this Spanish, is Rupert Pupkin asking. The Spanish Dracula is um, uh, longer than the American one. It has a lot of interesting revelations in it, such as that the scene where Renfield is crawling toward the maid. Uh, in the Spanish version, it goes on a little longer, and you see that he's actually going to eat a fly that's on her face. Uh-huh. But you, but it cuts off in the American version, so you don't see that. Um, Casting-wise, I think the American version is uh, superior. Uh, I think Carlos Villares is not as magnetic as Lugosi. Um, I think Dwight Fry is much better Renfield than Jose, whoever he is. Um, but uh, the, as shot by George Robinson, it's, um, it really gives the, the uh, Todd Browning one a, a run for its money because after the first reel and a half of the Todd Browning one, it reverts to the stage play and therefore is very stagey. Uh, and the, uh, the Spanish one manages to avoid that staginess, um, partly by, there's, there's sets that you don't see that much of in the, in the Browning you see more of. And so I think they're good companion pieces for each other, but I of course, you know, have a sentimental fondness for the original because that's the one that I saw. Uh, and also because of the way that it's, that it plays Uh and the, 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 it's, it's, it's one of the slower movies of the early thirties. Uh, and there's some, it's almost like everybody's in slow motion. It's almost like a dream that's taking place in another universe. Uh, because it's, it's, it, there's, there's very little reality per se in the Browning version. And I, I think in the, uh, in the other version, they, they try to make it a little bit more contemporary, uh, 1930s contemporary. Uh, so I think, I think it's worth seeing both of them, but I, I would have to come down on the side of the, of the Browning version. I, I couldn't begin to elucidate it as well as you have, but yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree. I've only seen the Spanish one once when it first got released on DVD, and it was definitely it's a little sexier. It was a great experience. Although Helen, although Helen Chandler is pretty hot, I think, and uh, died very tragically. She was a very unhappy, mixed-up girl, but uh, really beautiful. Um, here's one for Joe, but I'm going to answer it. Who is always phoning Joe, and why doesn't he just have his phone on vibrate? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to say obviously adoring fans. 
And um, uh, I forget. I'm actually supposed to, to turn it on. It on. I, I love it. It's my favorite thing when that <laughs> thing goes off. Um, also, what are your thoughts? Oh, this is from Jay Sutkawi. What are your thoughts on Tim Burton's Ed Wood? I, is that a movie? I don't, I've never. Um, I don't know what that is. I think it's a movie. Um, oh, Marcus Kempton asked, pitch us your unproduced dream screenplay, Josh Olson. And I, I just did. Uh, Ed Wood, what do you want? You want us to say something bad about Ed Wood? I, I, I think he's making fun of the fact that we always talk about Ed Wood. Oh. So my joke was I've never heard oh. of it. I wish Ed Wood had made a Tim Burton movie. That would be, <laughs> that would be an interesting thing. Uh, Kevin L. Jones. Um, oh, this is a good question. Was it your idea? I was just talking about this today. Was it your idea to include a 69 scene in a history of violence? Um, I'll tell you two things. One, a friend of mine just noticed recently that uh, a lot of sex scenes in my scripts all actually happen on page 69, which is not intentional. Um, no, it wasn't. I had the, I had the, I did describe the individual acts. Maria Bella was such an amazing gift on that film. They all were, but I believe it was her who uh, came up with the idea of combining them in the scene. And my understanding is it's the first American film. We are the last American film released on VHS and the first American film to include that particular act. Wow. So your resume. Yeah. My mom's very proud. Uh, Joe, will explorers ever get a Blu-ray? Uh, I guess it doesn't have one, does it? I guess not. Um, it, as, as Paramount said to me when I went back to try to find a way to reconstruct the picture, you're lucky we even released it. Oh! So I don't think that there's probably a lot of uh, heat underneath the idea of doing a Blu-ray on that picture. Uh, the bur Well, I guess no, because it was not a huge hit. It was more than not a huge hit. It was a disaster. <laughs> But there, I mean, there's, there's, I've, I've, I have two Blu-rays of Matinee, which was uh, Matinee wasn't a disaster. Oh, okay. was a disaster. Uh, Brian Burlingame would like to hear some anecdotes about Susan Terrell. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I've got one. It's brief and it's really filthy. So, uh, but I just remember, you know, because I, I used to drive her to the set. Um, my second job, I get to spend a lot of time hanging out with her. We would get there early sometimes. No, no, not your second job on what? On a movie. Um, uh, it was a, uh, Jackie Kong film called, um, night school. It came out as the underachievers mm -hmm. stars, Eddie Albert. Susan was one of the people that I got to know her. She gave me a kitten, a cat, a little baby cat oh. that I had Did for years. Is she went from her loins or no, I don't think so. Although with her, you never know, but I just remember she, and she knew everyone. She tells these amazing stories about traveling with Iggy pop and hanging out with Fassbender and stuff. And she, I remember sitting in this bar one late afternoon on the way to this, you know, before the, we got to the set and she's talking about some show she did in Germany where she was naked on set covered in animals and the snakes writhing all over her body. And she's talking about like, and then one day I just took the snake and I just like stuck his tail on my snatch. And it was like, they didn't even know what was going on. And she's just this, I mean, just this nonstop barrage of filth, which was hilarious. And a guy at the end of the bar goes, Hey, can I get a fucking drink here? And the bartender turns on him and goes, "Watch your mouth. There's a lady present." <laughs> Which there was. She was a she was a she was a great lady. Uh, best seventies noir. Oh, this is easy. Ray Gunn Chandler asks, uh, "Long goodbye or night moves?" Oh, that's a Come tough on. one. Is it really? Well, I, I would say long goodbye. Yeah, long goodbye. Um, oh, fun one. Big beautiful blast furnace. 
is a person, asks, what are your favorite made-for-TV movies? Made-for-TV movies. Uh, I guess that's a specific subgenre of movies, isn't it? Yeah, Duel. Uh, well, Duel is right up there. Duel is pretty damn good. I think it's right up there with the best stuff that yeah. Steven ever made. Yep. Um, uh, they used well, to be so ubiquitous, those films. Yeah, I mean, they were you know, great in the series. And, and now they're, uh, many of them gone public domain because yep. the, some of the people who, Metro Media and all these companies that made TV movies didn't even bother copywriting them. Well, Warner Archives have been doing a great job of... Uh, they are. They're putting out a lot of TV. Bad Ronald yeah. is pretty glorious. Um, I'm a fan of that. Of course, The Night Stalker, which ended up being a pilot, but that was a that was pretty amazing. Um, does Homecoming count? I mean, it's an hour, I guess. Not. <laughs> I, as a TV I, movie, I, I, it was made for TV. It's made for cable. Okay, it's a whole different world. Our show was recorded in beautiful downtown Burbank. The official podcast of TrailersFromHell.com, the best damn movie website there is. Our engineer is the composer Don Barrett, who also transmogrified, produced, and created our theme song. This is Josh Olson for the movies that made me. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts.